Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Forno Sports Podcast. A little bit of a break. I was on vacation in Florida. I'm finally back. I came back two days ago and I have a new microphone, so big ups. Uh, we're joined with we're joined by Dylan Gibney and who's a recurring guest and a new guest, Josh Pace. And yeah, so start off some headlines. The Harden trade that happened last week, but I never got around to it. I think overall Brooklyn won the trade because of how Harden is already playing. He put up a triple double in his debut, and he looks much happier to be on Brooklyn than he did in Houston, Christian. Um, yeah. Um, I don't think Brooklyn won the trade. I think they won the trade like right now, but I think Houston got some good assets like Oladipo. And, um, oh, yeah, I think it really depends on how Harden keeps playing. But as I mean, of now, yeah, they were like, um, I think that Houston got a good return for Harden, especially like all the deep and all the draft picks. And I think Indiana, like the Pacers, I think they got a really nice return, although we don't know how Levert's going to return because they had a, found a small lump on his kidney. And I think he's going to get they're going to be back in six to eight weeks. So I guess yeah, the trade uh, trade was really good for Levert because without the physical, uh, that well lump on his what was it, whatever kidney. it was, I mean kidney, yeah. kidney uh, yeah, it would have been way worse without that physical. So that trade was good for him, really. Yeah, otherwise he wouldn't have seen it coming. That would have been rough. Okay, next we have the Francisco Lindor trade. He signed a one-year, twenty-two point three million deal, fourth largest one-year arbitration deal of all time. With the New York Mets, um, the Mets are kind of getting stacked over these past few years. Actually, now that's like over the past few years, they've been slowly building up. Yes. Uh, next is the Mets GM Dick Pick scandal. He said he he sent so many messages to a female reporter, sixty messages without a response. Uh, he seemed pretty down bad, if you ask me. Like, bro was not getting any responses, Christian. Yeah, he was kind of just throwing out a Hail Mary, and the balls weren't being caught. Bro was down bad. Without a response? It's down catastrophic. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next to the George Springer trade, uh, he signed a six-year, $150 million, I believe, deal with the Blue Jays. That's a huge contract. Uh, I didn't think he would leave Houston, but I don't think they have enough cap for him. I mean, he had a good run there, but I, I certainly believe he was gonna spend, he's now going to spend the rest of his career in Toronto with the Blue Jays. Next, we have Drew Brees retiring. Uh, he took a... He took a big L to to Tom Brady and the Bucks on on uh, Sunday Sunday night. Lost thirty to twenty. I mean he he was doing okay to start off, but at the end he th- he just kept throwing like a bunch of careless passes. Ended up with three picks. I mean not a great way to end it, but a great career. Thirteen time Pro Bowler, comeback Player of the Year in, in two thousand four, Offensive Player of the Year in two thousand eight and two thousand eleven, and the MVP of Super Bowl forty four. So, like, yeah, like I said, not a great way to end, but he also had a good career. 
Yeah, it's right. just time for him to retire because he couldn't move the ball down the field. Past, like the offense just looks so boring. He couldn't get the ball past 20 yards. Yeah, and I saw today his wife posted something on Instagram. He had torn rotator cuff, fascia in his foot, like torn or broken. I don't know what the fascia is. Uh, a collapsed lung and broken ribs. So, yeah, he's kind of beat up. I think he deserves a little time to himself. And I think he should just retire. I know that Cody Franklin is on suicide watch right now because the Saints are in cap hell right now. Like, yeah. cap, they have zero cap room and they're going to have to, like, blow it up. But, uh, hey, Jameis Winston MVP next year. Maybe. He had to get throw that one that one play. Yeah, on that pretty thicker. I was surprised. All right. Now, Josh, we can welcome you in. Now we're in a divisional coverage. First game on Saturday, Los Angeles at Green Bay at Lambeau. The Packers won 32-18 to and advanced to the NFC Championship game. I believe Rodgers played well. He had three total touchdowns. What really helped them win this game was the O-line because they held jo- or not Josh, um, Aaron Donald to only one tackle. No QB pressures, no sacks, no anything. Just one tackle the whole game. And golf looked much better with his with his hand, with his thumb. He was throwing the ball a lot harder, much better spiral than he did in the wild card round. And I think just a solid team win for Green Bay. And I think this is probably one of the better Packer teams we've seen since 2010 when they won the Super Bowl. Um, my thoughts on the game. Uh, probably the same as you. The Packers score are just... They pushed the gas pedal first half, you know, and they just they basically sat in cruise control. Although Aaron Donald was hurt, he said he could feel no pain um, in the quote. Uh, but, of course, he got, like, barely any pressure on the Packers. But good job by the Packers O-line, you know, especially that back to <laughs> Yeah, back to is like – Injury hasn't really shown. Like, no one's been able to get crazy amounts of pressure on him. Like you said, Aaron Donald said he feels no pain, but obviously he didn't play most. He didn't play some very important snaps where he would have been in there. He didn't have much of an impact, so that obviously hurt their defense a lot. Yeah, and he seemed to be getting very frustrated because Elton Jenkins was quite frankly locking him down, and he, he actually got really frustrated. A uh, personal foul on him. He grabbed his face mask, started. Throwing it around, just got really mad that he couldn't get past him. I gotta say, I see the Aaron Donald injury, and I feel like that had a crucial impact on the game. However, all the smack talk that Jalen Ramsey gives prior to the game, and I didn't really see him putting that good of coverage on uh, Devontae Adams through the majority of that game. It seemed like he was getting open a lot. He got a few touchdowns, I know. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like I feel like the Packers had a game plan. I feel like Devontae Adams, you know, you've seen that one touchdown where he went in motion to get Ramsey off of him. I feel like the Packers' game plan was to do that to get him in motion, try to to try to get him away from Ramsey, so they didn't have they'd had like a better matchup. Yeah, that has been quite a game plan for Green Bay this year. They try to mix the run with the pass, and there's been a lot of motion, especially since Tavon Austin. Got added to the roster. They just, they have a lot of motion before they before they snap the ball, and yeah, that definitely confused the defense. Uh, it got 
Devontae Adams open in the end zone. He got a touchdown. And Jalen Ramsey was having a tantrum in the end zone. Yeah. Well, I think it's because his guy, like, messed up his coverage. And, uh, um, like, I think that's what he was getting mad at. And um, recent news came out that Jared Goff and Sean McVay are not on great terms right now. <laughs> yeah, but, after the game, he was like, he was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If uh, Cooper Cup was playing, I feel like it would have been a little bit of a difference maker because Jared Goff would have one more weapon. But you never know because Jair Alexander would have probably locked him up, probably. Um, but, you know, it's just something. The Rams were just kind of a little bit beat up, and I think that really created a difference for the team. Yeah, Jair Alexander gave a total of negative three yards on on Saturday. Yeah, that, that was crazy. But, like, after the game, Sean McVay got asked, he was like, is Jared Goff the quarterback? And he was like, yeah. And McVay was like, yeah, he's the quarterback right now. I was like, what else is he supposed to say? Like, no, he's not the quarterback. You gotta get I mean, yeah, I believe he is. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't let an injury just completely ruin his career in Los Angeles. Uh, I believe once he overcomes that, he's already, he's already looking better since the wild card round. His hand, his thumb's getting better. He's throwing the ball better. I don't really think it's his pro. It's his, it's, he's the issue there. No, he's not an issue. Yeah, I mean, he shouldn't be. She's a number one overall pick, so. Yeah, no. In the situation he's in where he's obviously a system quarterback, when something like that where he gets an injury, the whole point is that they need to fix the system around that. Like in the Packers game, if they'd run more split back because Cooper Cup, his main weapon, was out, I feel like they would have had a better chance. They got a few good rushing touchdowns in. They got a lot of rushing yards, as far as I saw. But I feel like even with his injury, he was throwing the ball well. But because he had that number one option out, they have to change the system for him to fit into. All right. Next game, Baltimore at Buffalo. Ooh. 17- yeah, Christian will have a word about this one. 17 oh, to yeah. 3, Bills win. As stated in my notes, okay, so we were going to do an episode the morning before Saturday, uh, the Saturday games, and in my notes, I had it'll be a defensive game, and whatever offense shows out the best will um will take the win, and that was what it was through the first half. It was only three to three at the half. I mean, of course, Justin Tucker missed a couple field goals, but it was still a defensive game. And then I think in the second half, the Bills showed out, and sort of their defense on a 101 yard pick six by. Taron Johnson, he kind of sealed the Ravens' fate for that one. And then injury report for Lamar Jackson, he just has a concussion, which is better. Could be worse. Yeah, uh, I, I have a lot of words about this game. Um, number one, Greg Rundman needs to be fired or change up his play calling because his plays are very predictable. And as Steve Smith Sr. said after the game, um, he says his four-year-old daughter could be a better head coach because he t- tells the wide receivers to run elementary school routes. And head coach, you said? Yes, or a coordinator, offensive coordinator. Okay, um, okay. You know, like he says that the receivers don't get any separation, which is true if you watch the routes they run. There was literally a time in the season where they, there were two receivers ran into each other and uh, collided. And, um, like, that's the first thing, just to – According, needs to change the game plan. Needs to change because the plays are really predictable. Um, number two, um, J.K. Dobbins, two big drops that could have been first downs. You know, 
can't be dropping like footballs and easy, easily catchable balls in the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. Number three, Lamar Jackson pick six. Um, I was mad about that. I did see that immediately. Dylan was at my house for the game, and it was a, it was a horrible moment in history. Um, yeah, that in history for that game. In history, it was one of the worst moments in Ravens history. Um, but um, last thing I want to get to the O line reeks. Patrick Marikai, Matt Skura, they need to be cut immediately. How do you miss four? snaps how do you mess up four snaps and yet you are you are our starting center and the line whenever lamar jackson dropped back to pass they gave him half a second to throw the ball and the the play for the pick six a lot of people don't talk about marquis brown was wide open and lamar jackson dropped back he immediately got sacked or he had the th- he had to throw the ball and was short of the sack yeah, he had to throw yeah one of those snaps was the one that went way over or went over his head and uh Ended up throwing it away as Trent Murphy fell on top of him, and that's what causes injury. And um, you know, just like I, mean, I miss Ronnie Stanley. Obviously, he's like our best lineman. We hadn't had him since the first Pittsburgh game. I think um, we need a little Marshall Yonda action. So he, he retired. So I know, but I think we need him back. Oh, I think you need Justin Tucker. What happened to him? Oh yeah, well, I, I, I know. I know there was wind and all, but. He's the league's most accurate kicker, and he he could have gave them momentum. Forty one, forty six, and thirty, and then he hit a thirty four. Yeah, but you know, it's it's whatever. I'm not I'm not mad at my team. I'm just disappointed because I watched my team die on a football field for sixty plus minutes, and you know, we need a wide receiver too. I forgot to bring that up. So yeah, All right, Josh. somebody. I gotta say, in my opinion, the O line was abysmal. The defense did all right for the situation that the offense was giving them, but in all honesty, I think the root of the problem is Lamar Jackson in that game. I elaborate, know elaborate. for a fact, I watched multiple snaps where when you watch a, a, a good pocket passer, someone like you know Tom Brady or Drew Brees, they stay inside that pocket that they're given by the O-line. But I was noticing when... Lamar Jackson drops back. There were a few snaps where he would drop back extremely far, and the defensive ends or the outside linebackers that were rushing would not have to come back into the pocket, and the tackles would just not be able to, you know, keep him in there. Yeah. um, Yeah, okay. I I get what you're saying. It's easy to get around because they have more room because they can't get around the pocket. They can just go straight around the – and he's far back enough that they can just go straight to sack. Yeah, he's already right there. He's having to run forward to stay in the pocket. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I I can I can agree with that. I, I think I don't think Lamar's the root of the problem, like like just solely, but I think that's part of it. Yeah, I mean, and like I, I okay. a lot to do with Lamar, or like somewhat to do with him. I think the entire team just. Like, the defense played decent, you know. But, like, on the first drive when Tucker missed, you know, we got down the field. Second drive when Tucker missed, we got down the field, you know. It's just stuff like mm-hmm. that. And then uh, he's not a running back. He's a quarterback. He won MVP more than uh, Russell Wilson has. Uh, so, anyways. I do, think, I do think a problem there is that they're first in rushing and 32nd in – or first in rushing and 32nd in passing. I mean, I'm not going to call him a running back because he's obviously not. He's he's a good quarterback. He's an MVP. But I think they need to work on their pass game if they want to succeed 
that they want to go farther in the playoffs than they have been in these past three years. It has a lot to do with just the offense is kind of just abysmal. You know, like our receivers don't get separation because Greg Roman's like he's a running back. Like he coaches a running game. You know, he did the thing with Kaepernick, you know. Yeah, also with the OC. Also with the OC, I want – I think he should try to get like shorter – like I know Lamar can throw, but like that pick Malcolm Butler had on him in the Titans game, he underthrew that. I think that's a little bit out of his range. That was horrible. yeah, I think he, that's a little bit out of his range. I think if they, I think if their OC makes plays, shorter pass plays, then he can throw darts that range, but not that far. That Malcolm Butler picked that because that yeah, was an under throw. And the defense, um, I just wanted to bring this up. I said this at the game, second and eighteen, Tremont Williams got cut. Thank God, I hated that guy. He was so washed. Former He's Green Bay Packer picked up by a Green Bay. And he's Bro, not. Watched, you ain't even know his name though. Well, he's not watched. Or, him he was and like thirty best cornerback duo. Like, a couple years. He's ago. like thirty-nine now. So, um, yeah. But why would you put him? Why would you put him on Stephon Diggs? Why didn't you have Marcus Peters or Marlon Humphrey on Stephon Diggs the entire game? Like. Yeah. This, this isn't like the regular season where you're like, oh, let's give you a chance, buddy, to guard the top three receiver in the league, you know? This is the playoffs, you know? Wait, mute your mic, mute your mic, mute your mic. Okay, next game, we have Cleveland at Kansas City. Okay, so Cleveland stayed in the game, and they were they were looking to have a shot once Mahomes went out. But, I mean, it just didn't end up like that. Chiefs won 22-17. But I must say, Chad Henney does have a pair of balls on him. That Andy Reid has a pair of balls on him. That Chad Henney and Andy Reid both have a pair of balls on him. Okay, Chad Henney, that scramble, that run for, I think, about 11 yards that he just missed the first down on third and 12 or 14. I don't remember what it was. He's an old dude. I mean, that takes balls to do that. Any other... Any other like older quarterback, like career backup, will run out of bounds or something. But I, I like that. And then once he didn't make it on on the third down, gutsy call by Andy Reid on the fourth. It eventually worked out. Put Tyreek Hill in the slot and just ran a flat to get a first and secure the W. Uh, elaborate, Josh. My opinion, uh, that game really just. It could have gone either way, but I think the missed call on the head-to-head contact with Richard Higgins yes, yes, and that fumble on the goal line, I think the fumble is undeniable. It went out of bounds. That was a touchback. But the head-to-head hit that was clearly just his helmet going straight into that guy's side of his helmet, mm-hmm. that call could have changed the game because a touchdown from the one-yard line, you've got four shots, that would put the game one score closer and then... Who knows what's going to happen? Because if Mahomes still comes out, that's, what, three points? Yep. They just got to get. When you're laying great running backs, I don't see them not scoring there, honestly. Yeah, I agree. Um, um, this I wanted to bring this up. Do you think that they should have a review for helmet-to-helmet calls? Like, they, uh, they've missed... They've missed a decent amount this year, I think. Like, they've missed some. Or, like, do you think that they should, like, look over things like that? I think they should look over like blatant ones. I don't think little clips should be like always reviewed. Yeah. 
Yeah, like, like you that, can, that's like, my take on that. Players can um, hurt other players by doing that. I feel like the league is. I feel like the league's first priority should be keeping the players safe. So I feel like that should be reviewable. Yeah, I think if it's like a blatant targeting, then they should do it. But I, I must say the ball coming out of the end zone. Or going, yeah, going out of the end zone and it being the other team's ball in the twenty-five. I think that's a really bad rule that they should change. They need to like change that somewhere, some way. Because I, I don't like that at all. all yeah, right. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I feel like there's not many like rules that benefit the defense, but I feel like that one's just too extreme. I don't know. It just gives you the ball on your own twenty-five. Just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um. I agree, and uh, I would. I was pulling for the Browns in this one, man. I would. I would love to see the Browns go far in the playoffs because it would have been nice for them. But uh, Bills Mafia to the end now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Last game Sunday night. Tampa Bay at New Orleans. The Buccaneers won thirty to twenty. The Bucks defense really helped them out in securing the W because Drew Brees. Made some careless intercept or threw some careless interceptions in the end. They scored on three of three of four of their takeaways, and like I said earlier, it's most likely Drew Brees' last game. I believe he's retiring. And I must say, a little thing that has nothing to do with this, but Madden Eleven was my favorite game, which he was on the cover of. So that kind of makes me sad that he's retiring. Yeah, yeah like. Like, that was my favorite game. My favorite game, too. It's the first Madden I ever played. Um, <laughs> no, it's Cody Franklin's favorite Madden, too. Cause oh, my God, you love Cody Franklin. Uh, <laughs> 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 and blocking Hayden. Cody Franklin um, will kill you, so you might want to stop. Oh hey, man, you know the vibe. It was sad when he looked back on the field, though. Um, but, like, I-, I don't know if it was, like, the second or third one. I think it was the last one he threw. That ball could have easily been caught by the receiver and it it just bounced oh, off to the Buccaneers receiver yeah um but you know like i thought i thought the saints would win because you know they beat the buccaneers twice by si- like a sizable amount in the regular season um, you know <laughs> but Drew Brees looked terrible in this game like uh, like I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, it sucks watching a legend, like, play terrible. I, it reminded me of Peyton Manning in the year before he went, except he won a Super Bowl, but he was carried by his defense. Yeah, it sucks to just leave off on that note, throwing three interceptions in a playoff game. But, yeah, but he didn't have slant boy. He was injured. He revealed, but he got locked up either way. He had, he had zero yards. Zero I really think, you know, Michael Thomas, if he hadn't – the injuries you can't do anything about, but this season with all the suspensions he got just from being how moody he is, if he had been playing more, I feel like the connections him and Breeze could have made in the playoffs would have led them to a win there because they have Alvin Kamara who's been the X-Factor for their offense for this entire season. And, I mean, Drew Brees threw a few interceptions, but, yeah, he's getting up there. He's going to need some help. And Michael Thomas, where is he he found? Nowhere. No receptions whatsoever in that entire game. Yeah, he does not deserve to be in the 99 club in the next Madden. 
Yeah, so, when you're relying on Jared Cook and an older tight end to 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 carry your pass offense, I I don't think that's a good idea. Okay, that's it for the divisional coverage. All right. Um, I have a few questions here. I have five questions. Four questions. Sorry. So as stated on the herd, uh, Colin Cowherd said, "I'm sitting here this morning thinking, if I'm the NFL, Patrick Mahomes going through protocol, I find the day Patrick Mahomes can play, that's when we play." Does that just mean like reschedule the game for when he can play? Like that's the, yeah, that's what my question is. Do we disagree or agree that we should wait for Patrick Mahomes to be cleared to start? You know playing what? Game? I feel like they did that for Lamar, but they failed ultimately. They pushed yeah. the Ravens game back. The Ravens versus Steelers game. Remember that they pushed it back yep. almost an entire week so that the Ravens uh they're out of control COVID so they can calm that down. I feel like they were just favoring the Ravens there. I feel like they were giving them more time for their mistakes with the COVID outbreak. No, so, no. I don't know. I I mean, if the if NFL likes the Chiefs as much as the Ravens, I could actually see that happening, but... I Look. feel like in regular season, you could get away with it. But th- we're at the last two games, last three games of the NFL season. I don't think that they can do they can do that like i think you should just play with what you have i mean it's part of the playoffs you gotta play with what you got and in the regular season you can push it back a week because you have time but here this is the playoffs and we gotta we gotta get going well here's the difference between the patrick mahomes and raven situation the ravens had over 30 people test positive that's their own fault they should have followed the protocols they should have called the nfl protocols yeah but like here's the imagine if they played on thursday and lamar hadn't tested positive for covid it would have been the both teams would have gotten majorly infected with covid so yeah let's see what they're trying to do but like it's also unfair to like the broncos didn't couldn't play with a quarterback you know it's also unfair to the niners had to play against the packers with their injuries and their COVID outbreaks, you know? The NFL but doesn't like those teams as much as the Ravens. They didn't have, like, 30 people with COVID. And I get that it's their fault, you know? The trainer allowed it to happen. But Mahomes is one guy, so... I think no. he'll be all right anyway, so I don't think... He practiced, yeah. fully. He practiced fully today. Yeah, but this that's the thing. This isn't COVID. This is a concussion. I mean, there oh, yeah. will be other guys on the Chiefs roster that'll be out for an injury, so why, why would it change? I mean, I get he's a... MVP, like I, I get, he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league, but you just can't do that. Yeah, like it's, so it's it wouldn't be fair. Especially you know, the honestly, Bills. Before they made the Browns play without a head coach. Yeah, and yeah. they they literally had what their special teams. Equipment. Yeah, like all their coordinators were out. Yeah, but in all honesty, it's Mahomes, and that's the face of the NFL nowadays. Since Tom Brady's aging and not on the Patriots, there's no way that the trainer is not going to clear Mahomes for that game. I just see this as some way to manipulate the rules. I don't think they're going to move the game back because that would mess up too much scheduling, especially with possible like future COVID regulations. Mm-hmm. I just think that there's they're going to they're going to find some way to clear him. If not, anything is possible. Yeah. In conclusion, Colin Coward, bad take as usual. Yeah. Yep. Not surprised. His Common L about the the freezer. <laughs> All right, next one. As expected, the NFL combine was supposed to get going this offseason, but announced by the NFL on Tuesday they're changing the formats because of COVID. Uh, they'll be holding pro days at the college campuses instead. Of, instead, 
of the regular combine in Indianapolis. Um, was this a good move for the NFL? Do you think that COVID was enough of a problem to do this? I honestly I think, think it was, oh sorry sorry sorry. I honestly think it was a bad move because I think you just test everyone that's gonna be there or while they're there have quick tests, and if they're negative or they're positive, then send them home or quarantine them somewhere else. But if they're negative, then they should be able to go do the combine. I mean, I get you're trying to be safe, but I I just believe it was kind of a bad move for them. They could there could have been better alternatives. Yeah, you know, I've always thought they have these pro days. And it gives the chance for everybody that's declaring for the draft or graduating a chance to do all their combine drills and put them on there. And the point of the combine was really just to highlight the most important guys. But with this pro day, you give a full outlook on all the players that are coming into the draft. And I think it's a good idea. In my opinion, they should, they should have gotten rid of the combine a while ago because it's really just a media outlet for all these top-name guys. And all these diamonds in the rough now are going to be spotted because they're going to have their pro day stats instead of just these 10, 20 guys that have these flashy combine stats. Actually, I do agree with that part. The underrated players, the guys underneath that aren't the big names, I believe, yeah, that could that's a bigger opportunity for them when they're in the pro day of their campus because not all the guys like, say, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, like not all those guys are headlining and those guys are just other guys in the back of the line. I got you on that one. Yeah, I agree. Like, I was going to say, like, there's going to be more players coming that get drafted that you haven't really heard much about during college, but they turn out to be studs in the NFL just because of the wider um, acknowledgement of NFL teams. Yeah, um, basically, same to what everyone else says, you know. Like, you get a wider sample size of the guys that you – Make, might would have like you know there might be some people who are just playing college right now <laughs> who if they were drafted right now they could be like cornerstones to an NFL franchise like very like few but uh you know I agree and you know like a way like for the combine you know like they could have done like some bubble but I like the way that they're doing like the pro the pro day you know it just gives everybody an mm-hmm. opportunity to shine and just show out, you know? Yep. Agreed. All right. So, long-time Chargers, 16 years with the Chargers, one year with the his final year with the Colts. Phillip Rivers announced his retirement this morning. Uh, so, now comes the question, is he a Hall of Famer? No. Elaborate. Elaborate. In a joking way? There's no way they're going to find seats for all of his children inside of his Hall of Fame inauguration. But on a serious note, quarterbacks will have downfalls when they get up into that age range like Philip Rivers did. He started having a lot of interceptions and a lot of bad throws through his last you know, three, four years, kind of like Brett Favre did. But the difference is Brett Favre had a lot of stuff to show for it. He had Super Bowls. He had Pro Bowls. He had Offensive Players of the Year trophies. And what does Phil Rivers have? Just Pro Bowls. And you know what the Pro Bowl is? It's an award for not making it to the Super Bowl, in all honesty. Uh, I don't know how much I agree with that Pro Bowl statement, but okay. All right. Um, so, yeah. I mean, he's definitely not accomplished as much as other ones. 
I personally don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he's just a, a guy who we should admire for a while. I mean, he's just like a really good presence on the field. I mean, he finished with eight Pro Bowls. He was fifth in career passing yards and fifth in career passing touchdowns. But I just don't think that's like a Hall of Fame achievement. Like, I mean, I think it could be like, oh, whoa. I think this is like Justin Herbert, like in with the Chargers right now. Like you're really pass heavy, like you're extremely pass heavy, and that's where I th- that's why I think that he's just like so far up, fi- so far up in the ranks with the passing touchdowns and passing yards because the Chargers tend to be pass heavy because they don't really like getting running backs and they're just like relying on their quarterbacks. So, so do you guys think if he won at least one Super Bowl, he would have been the Hall of, Hall of, Oh my God, Hall of Fame, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, I still think he is a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. I'll elaborate when it's my turn. But no, no, you you go on, go on. Why is, no, please, why is he a Hall please. of Famer? Look, please. I think I think he could make like he's not like first ballot or second ballot. I think he could slide in. Like I think he could slide in. It's really debatable. Um, but he like he and Ladainian Tomlinson, like Antonio Gates, those guys, you know, and maybe Keenan Allen in the future. You know, they put the Chargers on the map you know like he like he is the face of the chargers franchise you know and if like although like the chargers like obviously they didn't win a super bowl you know like and that stuff you know dan thomason never won a super bowl for the chargers and i'm pretty sure he's in the hall of fame but uh, of course he's like one of the best running backs but like top five in passing yards and top five in pa- passing touchdowns like those are no stats you can like overlook that like, those are incredibly good stats I mean, yeah, they're really good stats, but it it just comes from pass heavy team, which we've seen the Chargers be for a long time. Well, that's not really and which they were this this season too with Justin Herbert. So, like, what what kind of scheme? Like Brett Favre passed a lot, you know. Tom Brady's passed a lot. He's been in a, Tom Brady's been in pass heavy schemes. Drew Brees has been in pass heavy schemes. So, do they not deserve to make the Hall of Fame because their scheme? I, yeah, Tom Brady has six rings, obviously, but um, you know, like. Yeah, for okay. their ability to win, that's why they're in Hall of Fame because he didn't win a Super Bowl. Like that's not really his fault. Like he's like it's the management. They couldn't surround him with a good defense. Like that one year in two thousand nine, they had the number one offense, number one defense, and they missed the playoffs because their special teams sucked. Yes, it seems weird. Special but teams happened. made them not make playoffs. I find that hard to believe. I find that <laughs> I've never looked into that, but I've never Look I've up. never seen a team where special teams made Look them not up. make playoffs. Look it up. Look it up. I'm I'm telling you. I'm telling you. There is a video on. Look it up. <laughs> Special teams is the only is the whole reason why they didn't make the playoffs. Come yeah, on. Because they gave well, up the. If we had a better punter, we, we'd have a ring right now, man. Come on. Well, maybe it was I can number- tell you right now, Green Bay is last in almost every category for special teams, and they're in the NFC Championship right now. <laughs> I mean, look. <laughs> Yeah, it's special teams. The management couldn't surround him with like a winning, winning team. Like they, they surround him with good teams, not teams that I would say could win the Super Bowl. So I, I think he, I think he deserves to maybe slide in third ballot. Maybe he might, he might get that. I, I don't know. I, I think he deserves it. I believe he's a good guy. I believe he's a good presence. I believe he's a good team Look, leader. But the Hall of Fame for having kids, he'd be in first ballot. You know, so. Hall of Fame for pull-up game. He'd be for not pulling. Like he would not be in that <laughs> bottom tier. See, my my argument for against Philip Rivers making it into the Hall of Fame is 
it's really hard to name a first or second ballot Hall of Fame quarterback that did not have some success, either just getting to the Super Bowl or winning it, besides, you know, Dan Marino. And that's really the only person I can think of off the top of my head. And when you think of Dan Marino, you don't think of some... Dan Marino is on a different level than Philip Rivers has ever been. Definitely. You can't, when you think of Dan Marino, you're not going to think of guys like Philip Rivers. You're going to think of guys like Tom Brady. Because at that time, in that league, that's what he was. Dan Marino was up there with Joe Montana. They were the two heads of that league. Philip Rivers has never been you know, a top guy in the NFL in any point in his career. He's always been second yeah. or third to somebody in his own conference. Because in 84, Marino won MVP. Like, that's something you can throw in there for his case. Like, for his case of being a Hall of Famer. But Philip Rivers only ever had, a, like, a tremendous amount of passing yards and passing touchdowns. Like, I just, I mean, no hate against him, but I just don't think that's enough to get him in. Doing anything else? Um, I don't know. I just can't. I, I hate to be top five. I would hate to be top five in passing touchdowns and not make the Hall of Fame. I But I don't know. I feel like it could go either way. All right. Last thing of this episode. Dylan might have a little knowledge about this as a Eagles fan. All right. So after the firing of Doug Peterson on January 11th, who do you see as the Eagles' next head coach? All right. Who do I see as the next head coach is not the same okay, coach okay, that I okay, prefer. Sorry, sorry. Let uh, me reword that. Who is best fit for the head coaching spot at Philly? All right. I'll, so the Eagles have interviewed a lot of yes. candidates. They And the one that's been like most speculated is – Josh McDaniels, the yep. Patriots offensive coordinator, and he had like an interview that lasted all day on either Saturday or Sunday. It was like eight or nine hours, maybe more. I don't really remember. Jeez. And then they had a recent, more recent interview with Nick Sirianni, the coordinator on the Colts, offensive coordinator of the Colts. Mm-hmm. Him and Josh McDaniels are the top two that the well the media just thinks will hire. But so I think it'll be one of them. But personally, I would want Eric Bieniemy uh, from the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs. And the Eagles haven't got an interview with him yet. They I don't know if they had a Zoom one, but obviously they can't have a face to face one until the Chiefs are eliminated. I would like him or Deuce Staley, our current running backs coach. And the thing about Dusaley is players are like texting and contacting our owner to NRGM to like make him the head coach. Like they're highly pressured by the players. So I feel like that's why it's taking longer for us to hire because they're just getting pressured from players and they're obviously interviewing a lot. So they want to really get an idea of their options. But yeah, Josh McDaniels and Nick Sirianni, their favorites right now. Okay, yes, that's his, those, those are the two I had down for best uh, fit. Okay, so I believe Josh McDaniels could be could be fit for it, but I believe that he will be... Who was the... I forget the name. I'm sorry. 
the guy who just got fired as Lions head coach, who just got fired? Matt, Matt Patricia. Patricia. I believe he could be like a, like a Matt Patricia in the head coaching spot because obviously they're very, very, very successful in the New England organization under Belichick. But I believe Belichick ran that show, and they just had pretty good offensive defensive minds. My best fit for their head coaching spot is Nick Sirianni. Um, he was wide receivers coach in 2012, which is something that the Eagles definitely lack, and I think he could help them out a lot there. And I, I believe he fits the mold for Andy Reid after he le- that fits the mold that Andy Reid left in Philly with a great offensive mind and uh, these gussy calls. Um, and of course, just like Andy Reid is doing this year, sending he sent Philly in. 02, 03, and 04 to three straight conference championships. So I believe if he fits the mold that Andy Reid left in Philly, that they can succeed with him. Yeah, it's also been like speculated that Sirianni he like brings a good like what like a a good group of other coaches around him, and that's one thing I really wanted in um, Salah Salah the Jets they just, the Jets just hired. Um, he, I wanted him a lot, but obviously he got hired right after the Eagles interviewed him. So he was also said that he would bring a good offensive defensive coordinator with him, but obviously he got hired. So it's on to the next. I have two different candidates that I don't think, I don't think they'll get the job, but I think personally they'd be the best fit and. First one is Lincoln Riley, the current coach of Oklahoma University. Because okay. he worked with Jalen Hurts for, what, two seasons, I think? Maybe that is might true. Have been just one, but it, I feel like with the way the Eagles' offense is set up right now, not really focusing on their defense because, I mean, in terms of the Eagles, it seems like their struggle has been on offense. The, yeah. The thing they need is a guy with a college scheme because college schemes have really started to take over the NFL. And with the mobility, if they're going to really go in on Jalen Hurts, the mobility that he has needs to be taken advantage of in the start of offense. That also leads me to my other pick, which I definitely don't think they'd consider, but Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator of the Ravens. I don't... (laughs) Know if it would necessarily <laughs> be a good fit. Really? But just the offensive systems they could run with Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts and the schemes that he's running with the Ravens right now, I just feel like Jalen Hurts has a lot more of the consistency than, or well, the accuracy, I mean, than Lamar Jackson does at this point. Just because Jalen Hurts is you know, been that pocket quarterback for more time than he's been a scrambler. And yeah. I feel like having that addition to the schemes Greg Roman runs would really benefit the offense. But in all honesty, I don't think either of those guys are going to get considered because Lincoln Riley's getting millions of dollars just to coach college ball. And Greg Roman is terrible. So, yeah, I was, I'm going to say, I disagree with both of those because Lincoln Riley, it's already been like, all but like shut down that he's gonna move from college because he just got he just hired another member to his coaching staff I forget what it was but then he also had a QB transfer to Oklahoma so he's obviously very 
and it, it, like all like the experts are saying, he's not gonna go anywhere else. And then Greg Roman, I, and here's the thing, like Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie are like trying to keep Carson Wentz as a QB. So I don't know if Jalen Hurts will even be the starter next year. Probably but I do agree with like the schemes. I, I I agree with like they could run those schemes, but I feel like they are leaning towards trying to keep Carson Wentz and trying to fix Carson Wentz. So. Oh yeah, and they they mentioned to all their candidates that they were trying to keep Carson Wentz. So and they were telling the coaches to be prepared to coach Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have much to add. Uh, Maddie and Dylan basically took words out of my mouth. Uh, I do agree with Josh though. Uh, I think Greg Grogan could be a good hire. You no, know? stop I've, it. I've nah, you just want him out of Baltimore, dude. You just want him out of Baltimore. Grogan for a while. On Twitter, so uh, too bad he's staying. John Harbaugh already said it. If he, yeah, I wish he didn't say it because it kind of ruined my week. But uh, hey, as long as America gets cut, that's whatever. But yeah, I pretty much agree with what he said, Dylan and Maddie. And I wish I wish Greg Roman would be the coach of the Eagles. Yeah, I bet you do, but no. A wild card coach? Yeah, no. They bring Take back Chip Kelly, Burden, please, dude. I hate. I just hate the. I just hate the idea. I hate the. Mention of that name. I hate the idea of Greg Roman coming back next year too. It's horrible. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I have for episode twelve. Thank you, Josh, for joining us. Thank you, Dylan, for joining us. Uh, that was good coverage there. Uh, follow our new Instagram page for the podcast at the Forward No Sports Podcast on Instagram. Uh. That was episode 12 of the 410 Sports Podcast. Have a good one.